I love to have some soup. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I had a friend that used to pick up the phone and then like it's whatever. Sponsy was on fire and he's like, go have a sandwich and then call me back. Literally, you know, they go have a sandwich. They call it back. Literally, I forgot why I called you. Do you know what I mean? It's like it was like the hall. It's like it's really the basics. You know, have a piece of bread, have like have some soup, you know, like take a nap. You know, like it's the halt, really, you know. Yeah. Someone told me when it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm-hmm. And I just would be like, I don't want to be hysterical. And so now I've really taken that in. And like we were talking about before the stoicism, I picture and sorry, these are like white older males, <laughs> but they're my role models. Mm-hmm. Sorry, is um Don Draper and Mad Men yes. and then George Clooney in a suit with his legs crossed in a yeah, boardroom. Like I just picture this like, it looks a little smug, but mm. just this stoicism mm. of like having control over their dominion. Mm. And I want that. Mm. Um, dare I bring up Cersei Lannister? I'm kidding. I'm not bringing up Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Team Cersei! Um, shame on you, Team Cersei. Um, no, so yeah, I love it. I yeah. Love it. emotional sobriety. Um, yeah, I also think like outside of Bill's letter, I think they published this letter. They've created a book around this. I, there's a bunch of different things. The The book that this um, uh, article that I also reference in The Guardian uh, is called Distill Spirit. And I think it was coming out in October of 2012, um, which kind of talks about this other, you know, the doc- it mentions the doctors that he was working with. Um, and this other kind of organization, um, you know, there were letters that were uncovered. One was to like, you know, Father Ed Dowling, who was a Catholic priest and a member of this experimental group that he formed in New York. Um, and then there's uh, mentions a bunch of names, Betty Eisner, an American psychologist known for pioneering the use of LSD and other psycho- psychedelic drugs as um, adjuncts to psychotherapy, you know. Sydney Cohen, a psychotherapist. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, there's like a, a bunch of of people that um, in the medical community that were looking um, to utilize these interventions for further healing, you know. But when I think about emotional sobriety, I also think about, you know, um, the emotional hangover. It talks about intent, you know, in the 12 and 12, where when I, I could fly off the handle with temporary insanity, you know, uh, with adrenaline, with anger, with all of those things. And, um, you know, for me, that that's kind of also what I kind of um, put this into that same bucket of, you know, like, where am I, where are my emotions? For me, it's like, where am I not feeling my emotions, you know, because all this like temporary insanity, me, you know, blowing up at whatever cab driver or Uber driver or, you know, the Amex fraud alert person who are all trying to help me, you know, um, 
for me, when I blow up at them, it's a lot of that for me tends to be like, oh, there's something else that I'm not addressing and or feeling, you know, and it's all sorts of sideways. Yeah, I I relate to you. When when you discuss the blow ups, I relate a lot. I have the same experience and it's the freeze flight fawn to me. It's the amygdala brain that takes over. And what I what is making sense to me today could be different four months from now is that all of those people I'm interacting with are me. Mm. And there's not a safety or sense of security within me. Mm. And these people aren't doing it the right way or they're not concerned about me or they're not going to take care of me or they're going to let me down or, you know, something Mm. where I'm, I'm afraid my needs aren't going to be met and they need, they need to meet them. (laughs) They have to, (laughs) who else is going to meet them? And it's scary. And then what I've been doing is like, okay, that's you in that car ahead of you. You know, how can you be loving and kind to them instead of go around them? I've gotten so good now that I am not even turning and giving the look of disdain. Oh, I love that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still revving up and going around them, but I no longer have to turn and look into a look of disdain because I'm like, that's me in that car. That is me. Yes. Oh, gosh, this gets me. Okay, so two words. Brianna Wiest. I think you turned me on to her. Do you know that? Yes. She's top 20. She's deaf top 20. Oh, yes. 100%. I think I've shared with you. I was reading one of her books, and um, I was blown away. I had to pull over and reread it three times. And it turned out to be, it turned out to be, it was an audible book I was listening to. And it was, it turned out to be the, the title of one of the chapters and the title was every relationship I have is with myself, which is exactly what you're saying. Every relationship I have is with myself. Ugh. Yeah. 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 She is on another fucking level. Another level. She had some experience as a kid I think it was like remote viewing or something like she would go to bed and be jolted out of her body out of her physical body and experience things and now when you read her writings I find them so interesting there's not a hint of codependency in there she doesn't say I kind of feel like maybe you she's like when you do this this will happen like she's just so uh truth it just all sounds like truth in what she says and i read a couple of her articles when i was going through my you know marriage imploding in 2016 and i emailed her like hey listen i am losing it i am losing i am having a nervous breakdown i am in recovery i have this many years my husband's leaving i can't function i'm supposed to get like i just poured out my heart to her because one of and this is i think before she had a book one of her articles just ugh. she wrote me back sam oh my god how much do i love her even more wrote me back and was like you are gonna be okay and I took that like I don't I don't think she wrote me more than a few sentences but they were powerful and I was like all right I'm hanging on to those for four days oh wow I love that she 
I believe she's young in age, like, right? She like, she's mm-hmm. wise with her words. Like, uh, someone, I didn't look her up. I think someone, like, Wikipedia and her was ever, and were like, yeah, I don't think she's 30 yet or something. And I was like, huh? Like, the stuff that I was reading was like, this is so evolved and like, cause it is so simple and so true and hit so deep. And so, yeah, she's deaf. To- I mean, I mean, she's maybe top 10 for me actually. Um, anyway, so, um, you're on top 10, right? She's just, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And she's such a prolific, like, I didn't, she, she has so many books. Uh, you know, her last name is Weiss. Do you Weiss. think, is she? Oh, yeah, you is think she, Diane Weiss, like that actress or I'm something? I'm just wondering. I mean, I should look it up before I start talking, but. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think she's based in Topanga, I want to say. Or at least she rented a cabin or somewhere. And that's where she did a lot of her work or maybe one of her books. Or, I'm not sure. I think, I was, yeah, I was thinking Topanga. I mean, a lot of people, there's an energy in Topanga. Andrew Huberman was in Topanga over COVID, apparently. Really? Uh-huh. That's what I heard on the podcast. We need to go find him. Yeah. Well, I think he's, <laughs> I don't know where he is now. <laughs> My tracker says that he's in, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think he's still in Topanga, but he he definitely says he was in Topanga over uh, COVID. And I think that's where he started the podcast in Topanga, uh, over COVID. And I think the last I heard he had bought a house. Um, but where that house is, I have no idea. Why do I want to say Austin? But I don't think that's true. Um, mm, but who knows? I think he's good friends with Joe Rogan. So Austin does sound oh. right. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I think he would, I mean, Marianne and him, I think, are vying for one in our book, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you totally. would say more Marianne. Well, depending on the day, mm-hmm. I think. But, mm-hmm. I mean, she's a classic. She's classic. <laughs> it's like, she's a Chanel guest. She's Yeah, she's classic. <laughs> like... I mean, I did. I when I, I mean, because I used to go see her at Saban and stuff, but it was it became too political for me. But mm. yeah, I think she, there is definitely an energy and a vibe and uh, an awareness, right? It's I think what it is. It's you know what I'm realizing, and this is so far off topic, but I'm just going to share anyway. Is that I think it's like a quiet, a quiet mind. Right. It's the peace yes. of mind is that's the energy that I'm actually oh, feeling. God. Oh, my God. Sam. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, my brain tells me that if I do actually just relax mm. and don't do it, that trouble's going to happen, that I have to be hyper vigilant. Like my, you know, my growing up, like there was a woman in my house some people call her mom. They mm. call their own mom. Mm. But she was smoking and falling asleep on the couch. Mm. You know, I just have this uh, sense of like always have to be aware. So, so I do want that. Like I want that so bad. I want that relaxation. I want that peace. Mm. And a part of me says like, no, you can't do that. You can't just relax. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was in a meeting the other day and uh, I just, I couldn't help but see 
how many long timers with like 40 plus years were there. And I really Uh felt, I felt grounded in that room, Uh you know, and like, as like the split screen to what you're sharing of like where you were, you know, I I've been with, you know, my parents or people that were distracted and I know that energy, right. Where there's no presence. They're just no eye contact. No, they're not planted where their feet or their ass are. They're just everywhere else. It's a lot of, you know, brain activity. And I felt really grounded, you know, uh, um, because it's kind of like they're on, they've been practicing this. Well, this is a story I have. They've been practicing it for so much that there's less noise in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think it depends upon the person, right? Because yeah. I think you can have 40 years and, you know, gotcha, crazy. Not not have that sense of peace or grounding and you can have four months and be totally connected but you're right if if someone like i have a sponsor who's been practicing meditation 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening every day for Mm. at least seven to eight years there is a sense of grounding every time i speak with her god i love that Oh, God, I love this. Um, okay, so we're at our final five. Um, I was going to ask a question about emotional sobriety. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's the topic, and I'm going to ask a question about <laughs> emotion. How does that work? Okay. Synchronicity, I guess. I don't Is know. It? It's just really bizarre. So... Is there a difference in, okay, like through your growth and evolution from, you know, actively, you know, alcoholic without a program versus post-program, early recovery, you know, wherever, wherever you are now, has there been with regards to uh, emotional sobriety, like, is there like a split screen difference in like a definition or perception of like how would you would is there a difference in how you would have described it before versus now or how you're experiencing it oh yeah okay i get you yes i think when i first came in Mm. and they said emotional sobriety if i even heard that word which i don't think i did for the first four years yeah (laughs) all i could relate that to was Uh, having the hope of having a feeling and then not experiencing emotional hangover the next day. Mm -hmm. Like early in sobriety, that's all, that was my only hope was to be able to navigate a couple of interactions with people that didn't go well and not have an emotional hangover the next day. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get that a few times and you get used to having that. And then I started to realize I only get the emotional hangovers when I'm the one who is, I have a bigger part in the situation. Mm. That's my experience today. Mm. Um, And then now what emotional sobriety looks like is being comfortable in discomfort. That, you know, I remember, oh, there was one time where I was, 
you know, 2007, 2010, somewhere in there, I was going through this really problematic time at work. I know we're all shocked. What? (laughs) But I remember telling my husband, it feels like there's six or seven people four miles down the road that dislike me and are talking about me. And he said, that's because there's six or seven people four miles down the road that don't like you and are talking about you. Mm. (laughs) He was right. You know, Mm. like that's Mm. exactly what was happening. And now it's like, how can I be comfortable in my skin, even if that is happening? How can I find peace? How can I wish them all love and joy no matter what, even if all of that is happening? And today I'm there like right now in this moment I'm there I wish there's not a person on earth that I don't wish peace and love and health and wealth to because I deeply can wish that for myself what about you oh gosh this is so good Uh, so I guess in early recovery I don't know I too don't know I was very mocus uh, and I don't really recall a lot. I thought I was like the shit. I know that much, but I, I don't really remember anything else. But I guess if I would to say like around emotional sobriety and early recovery, anything emotional for me was like it was about sobriety meant that I needed to feel good, you know, and it wasn't about necessarily having a full spectrum of feelings, you know, or feeling multiple things at one time. It's like, no, like sobriety is about feeling is about serenity, period, you know, all the time. And if it wasn't, then something was wrong, you know. Um, and then now it's more kind of like what you were sharing, where it's like, I think about like, um, I don't I forget where it says it, but it's an unshakable foundation for life. I think it's between 10 and 11 in the 12 and 12, you know, um, where it talks about inventory and meditation is an unshakable foundation for life. And, you know, that is where I see this thing. It's it's not attached to or contingent on people, places or things. It's this more inward thing that I can be okay, similar to this Bob thing that we'll have a whole other episode on. Um, and then it's also what Bill mentions in in this in this uh, thing where it's like, I it's a spiritual law. I get what I give. And um, when I just give from a place of love versus expecting or contingent on getting something that's where peace and for me that this like foundation comes from if that makes sense Mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense damn throwing it down <laughs> Woo! i hope y'all are picking up what we're putting down because this is just pure gold mm. thank um, you sam thanks misty um all right i will see you on the next one and bitch call your sponsor 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 new episode tomorrow send us an email bcysponsor at gmail.com